When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, which means it's time for our strange news segment. Uh... Well, spoiler alert, a lot of things happened as we hurtle toward the end of 2020. Uh, many folks are excited to celebrate uh, the holidays of their choice. And then a lot of folks, maybe the more paranoid conspiracy realists in the crowd, are thinking doubtlessly of that scene in horror movies where you think the monster has been defeated, but then a hand shoots up from the grave, right, in the last 15, 20 minutes of the show. So what surprises will this month hold? We don't know, but we found uh, three things that may not have been widely reported. Uh, we've got an update on a, uh, a meme that went viral, a series of events that are still relatively unexplained. Uh, we've got some... 
troubling news about surveillance. And we've got a really weird statement from a storied uh, former head of a state-level space program. So honestly, Matt, I don't mean to throw you under the conspiracy bus here, but uh, I'm really interested in this story you found because it's, it's spooking me a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. We can begin here. Pay close attention if you live in Jackson, Mississippi in the United States. And also pay close attention if you live in any city in the United States or any other country that has the capability to run lots and lots of video. Any video. Anywhere. Uh, So on the show, we've talked a lot about CCTV and other forms of Uh, video surveillance that is used by mostly law enforcement, but also private security firms and even households such as this one where I live. We've talked about personal security and video monitoring with uh, sponsors like Simply Safe and several others. And a lot of places that you're going to travel to or maybe even live in have some kind of live video feeds of the grounds, exterior usually, but many times interior as well. And What we're going to talk about today is what happens if law enforcement has access to all of that video, not just video of the streets, not just video of public places, interior. Um, What if it has access to every video feed? So (laughs) we're going to go to a story from NBC News, and this is the title of it. Police in Jackson, Mississippi, want access to live home security video alarming privacy advocates. So let me say that again. Police in Jackson, Mississippi want access to live home security video. Okay, so if we're talking about home security video, a lot of times we're talking about a doorbell camera. Maybe you have one of those or a couple of video cameras around your house, maybe looking down at your driveway, maybe in your backyard. Every once in a while, there's video inside your house, like a security camera in your living room or in some other commonly used space. Well, this should maybe worry you a little bit if you're in the camp of, hey, uh, don't don't put government in my home any more than I want it to be in my home. But maybe you're on the other side and you're thinking, hey, if something does go wrong, the police will have a direct feed into my house and they'll at least be able to see if something is wrong. Those are basically your two sides there. Let's get into what this actually means. Okay. So according to NBC and some reporting that's being done in Jackson, Mississippi, and according to crime rates, there's a sharp rise in homicides there in the city. And the police are attempting to expand a lot of their powers that they already have when it comes to surveillance. So essentially crime, it's kind of crime prevention, but it's also and mostly getting evidence, video evidence when crimes occur. That's really what this is about, being able to prove that someone was somewhere when something happened. And what they're trying to do is get doorbell cameras and all other kinds of home security surveillance into the police station. So there would be a literal live feed of your house at the PD. (laughs) Is this like an opt-in kind of situation? Like, how how does that work? There's all, yeah, there's all, there's so much to this. Um, well, well, some of it is going to have to be opt-in because right. of the technology, because of, because of what you would have to do. But, but this is not like a, you know, Hey, it would be cool if you guys would, you know, let us see your home security. 
uh, it's more of a, hey, let's work together and solve these crimes and prevent crime. Um, so let's let's just talk about some of this. So there is a company with whom the police in Jackson, Mississippi are going to be working. It's called Fusus, F-U-S-U-S. Now, this is a fascinating company. They're really all about building out large security networks. And one of the main things they focus on is video, video feeds, and how to make, uh, how to integrate cameras from all across a city into one space, one, one um, platform where police can then jump on it and see everything. So there's this thing at Fusus called a Fusus Core, and that's trademarked, by the way. Mm-hmm. And this thing, it's a, it's a tiny piece of hardware that would actually physically live in a space and connect to a network. Now, when you connect this thing up, it automatically detects all of the audio video feeds on that network. So if you're thinking your ring camera or your Simply Safe camera or something like that, that is already connected up to your Wi-Fi in some way in order for it to be functional. This thing, this piece of hardware would just detect all of those things, then send a separate video feed out to the the Fusus. Um, it's called Fusus One. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the name of their platform where all of these video feeds then get sent to, and then a you know police officer or a large group of police officers can then monitor all that activity. Um, and Jackson, Mississippi, isn't the first place to have this idea. Uh, because Fusus has been doing this for a while, and there are uh, about 20, 24 cities already within the United States that have, have done this already. Uh, there's a police department in Ocoee, Florida, that is planning on doing this. Minneapolis, Rialto in California, uh, all of these places, they are working with Fusus to combine all the video or a lot of video feeds within their cities, but they aren't yet taking that move to get home security cameras attached into, to all of these streams. I guess let's just, maybe we can talk about this for a minute, but Mm. the big thing for me is this concept as a father and as a homeowner, I'm really struggling with it because I see, I see the major negatives and the positives to Mm. this. And I'll just put this out to you guys. There's this thing you can sign up for with 911 where you can register your home and all of the people and animals living in your home and you pre-register it with 911. So anytime you pl- you place a 911 call from any of the devices that you've put into there, it will automatically recognize who you are and the other people around you and it can recognize if there's an emergency situation. It doesn't require me to say, my name is Matt Frederick and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Um, it will already have that data up with whatever operator answers the phone call for me. That to me is something that's really beneficial. Even though I don't, <laughs> I don't like it that much, I know that that's all public information, right? Who lives at my house, where my house is and all those things. I, that's generally public information when it sure. comes to law enforcement. Yeah, but don't um, you also have the prerogative to own a home security system and not have it hooked up to the police? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, for now, yeah. But also when you own a home security system, a lot of times, at least where I live, you have to register that home security mm-hmm. system with your your local government. So not with your state government, but with your local, like whatever uh, county you live in. And 
And that's to make sure they are aware when that alarm goes off, it both goes to them and they're alerted that it is your house and this is who it's registered to and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, information sharing with law enforcement can be a majorly beneficial thing if something bad happens. But at the same time, it feels like, much like social media or other places, we're just you know willingly giving up some of that private information. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about a police department in your home or even just at your doorstep, getting to look at any time at whoever comes and goes, uh, it feels like a bit of an overstep. But what do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I'll be candid. I was having a hard time not interrupting. I wanted to make sure I was listening to you, Matt, because I, okay. I've been familiarizing myself with this story, perhaps not to the level uh, that you're familiar with, but there I, I see three large spheres of conversation here, possibly more. The first is the source, trusting the source, right? Uh, It's no secret that law enforcement agencies and entities at the federal and state level across this country uh, have a, like, there's a lack of trust in them, often for very good reason, objectively. So your question then, it becomes one about um, how, how willing Sure, how willing are people to trust Fuses, which means spindle, by the way, but how mm-hmm. how willing are they to trust local law enforcement, especially given the historic missteps that have occurred in so many places at so many levels? Secondly, there's the idea that to a large degree, uh, this in terms of the in terms of law enforcement, this is being advertised to law enforcement as a way to help cash-strapped local organizations and departments, right? So to what degree are you comfortable with this private-public partnership? This seems like it could work very well for the reasons you outlined, but every single positive that you just outlined can also be arguably deleterious. It can be bad for people. The second part, I would say, is that uh, they spend a lot of time on their official site, Fuses, I mean, uh, they spend a lot of time on their official site talking about opting in, obligations, what what you as a, the personal creator of this information are and are not entitled to. But once you participate in this service, while it's still opt-in, and I don't think this stuff will be opt-in forever. I think it'll turn to opt-out eventually, and then eventually people will be incentivized to have to have it. Just to finish with this slide, the the one thing that they say that everyone should notice is once you consent to that giving that footage away, it can be used as evidence, quote, during any stage of a criminal proceeding. Doesn't have to involve you. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point. Like, um, it's it, they're building a giant web. Like you said, it's a spindle, right? They're taking all of the threads and they're putting it into one thing. Very dark um, night. It is. It's extremely dark night. Um <laughs> but um, you have to imagine it would be like a private business. Uh, let's say the local five guys, wherever you live, there's a five guys burger and fries, and they've got several security cameras on the exterior and interior of their building or their, you know, the, the room that they rent <laughs> wherever they're leasing that thing. And what they're doing, what they would do is get one of these boxes. Uh, and usually it's either given to them like for free the box itself is given to them for free by the police department or by Fusis itself, or it's, you know, purchased or subsidized in some kind of way. The box doesn't matter. 
What matters is the subscription fee, essentially, that Fuses charges, which is a $500 to $1,000 a year, which sounds insane. But like when you think about how many boxes it would require in Mississippi if you're going to rig up the whole the whole place. But um, that's how Fuses makes its money is the subscription service to access to the technology, you know, servers and all that stuff. So at that kind of cost, that operating cost, essentially for the end user, but usually the police department, right? Because they're the people actually that are paying Fusis. Um, I can imagine that it will have to be opt-in for a while and it will have to be, you know, directly with the police department deciding, okay, we've got it in our budget to add X more Fusis boxes or whatever, you know, something to that effect. Just because if you're in a city and you've got a local budget, I can't imagine you can just drop a thousand dollars per household. Mm. On a I, whim, I, I, you know, <laughs> I bet you it would work like this though. If it becomes something where one has to opt out, or it becomes something yeah. where it's uh, normalized and everybody has this, the way it'll happen is similar to uh, the way that ins- it'll be insurance rates. It'll be similar mm. to what happened in Gattaca, mm. right? Which is excellent oh. sci-fi, right? You <clears> just you have to you you can be you can own your five guys. And you don't have to have a fusis or whatever the equivalent is, but your insurance rates are going to be uh, much higher than that extra $1,000 a year. Yeah. And all your buddies are like, oh, man, you guys aren't doing fusis. You should really do that, man. It's going to save your bottom line like 15, 20 percent at least on a yearly basis. It's, it's kind of funny. It makes me think of this other story that I, I just heard. Uh, Amazon has this new program that just launched in the U.S. called Sidewalk. And it basically, like, enables any Amazon devices um, as bridge devices. Um, in other words, it becomes a router that actually kind of siphons off your home Wi-Fi bandwidth and gives it away to other nearby Amazon devices, like ones that aren't yours, <laughs> like rings uh, or echoes or what have you. And it is exclusively an opt out situation. And it's so fascinating because it's like, okay, yeah, I own an Alexa or whatever, an echo dot that I paid $25 for, but it doesn't, it's not like some kind of, you know, subscriber based thing. And I don't pay Amazon for my home internet service. So it's essentially like siphoning off this resource that I pay for and not really telling you about it. I only found out about it through, you know, the news. Um, I know these are two kind of different things, but it's sort of similar in that it's like, yeah, I can see how this is like beneficial to the company, but it's sort of a little bit duplicitous in a lot of ways too. And to your point, Ben, all of the positives have flip sides of like eroding privacy and making every, you know, I mean, we, we all have accepted that we kind of live in a post privacy society and I think, you know, okay with that maybe as a, as a stretch, but like we're aware of it and it is what it is. But this just seems like really pushing that to a extreme boundary. Well, Yeah. I mean, they're already integrated security systems all over the city or the town where you live. I guarantee it. And if you think about the CCTV systems that were, you know, they were, it's breakthrough technology in the way it was integrated in London and a couple other places in the UK. And in, then in the United States, we started doing the same thing where just if you're in New York City, there's a camera everywhere. If you're in Atlanta, in many places, there is a camera everywhere. And you you probably don't notice them, but they are rolling or mm. they're at least the, they can be accessed live. The whole point of Fusis and this stuff is to get every inch of a city covered 
to where, and it would be real time video too. It's not like you're looking back at camera or tape mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. You could, this is what they say. Um, we'll be able to find a location, draw a circle around it and pull up every camera within a certain radius. Uh, if someone's running out of a building, we can follow and trace them. Um, and so and how does like, this interact with mobile devices? You know, Oh, right, that's a great idea. <laughs> right now it's just, I mean, why not? Why not? Right now it's just, uh, as you said, Matt, the, the kind of home surveillance systems that have exploded in popularity. I mean, we're, we're at a point now where, you know, for a long time, the most heavily surveilled population via video in the world was the United Kingdom. They had about one CCTV camera for every five people, but those things were not netted together. They weren't fused into a spindle, right? But uh, this changes the conversation. I would say overall, the problem is the same old saw, who watches the watchman? You know what I mean? If there is if there is some sort of AI that is free from the all too human failings of discrimination and corruption, then jolly good. This doesn't sound like a terrible idea. But we can't I mean, we can't even build AI that's not racist like this. Hopefully, yes, hopefully this could save lives, right? It could help people. It could bring criminals to justice. But then I'm also wondering how easy is it for uh, maybe, and I'm not accusing the Mississippi police here, but how easy is it for some of that footage to get lost? I mean, we've already seen body cameras that are mysteriously broken uh, at critical times. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm well, being too cynical. The good thing with with a system like a ring camera or simply say for any of these, you as the end user, the person who's purchased it, who has it as your home security, you would have a backup. Mm. Just saying, if there's ever any issue taken up like that, which would be good, uh, but it could also be really bad. Like, oh, you've got a backup of what happened. <laughs> also, to, to your point, Noel, I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but you know uh, where the Fusis platform is hosted, right? It's Amazon Web Services. There you go. So Jeff has oh, his yeah. hands on it. God, By the no way, doubt. dude, that's that's crazy. But last thing, with simply say for any of these, when you've got a live camera and you you have your stuff registered with your local police department, you can choose on your own whether or not you allow Simply Safe or, you know, uh, whoever else you're using as your home security company, you can choose to allow them to see your video feeds if an alarm is triggered. And that is something that I think a lot of people are used to. If if something is going wrong, yes, please check to make sure I and my family are okay. Or my house, like check and see if someone's breaking into my house. Um, this is just, it's literally taking one step over and saying, instead of just my home security company, it's my local police department now who's going, oh, let me see. What's, uh, what's going on in there? Oh, everything <laughs> looks fine. That's just, uh, oh, he's just eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich again. Mm-hmm. He's just a, he's just a, a <laughs> Renaissance Fair cosplayer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But also Uh, think about this. I will advance this notion to you. Um, Think about how often you've probably heard, I don't know, we have different backgrounds, but uh, I've heard fairly often from both both just non-law enforcement folks and LEOs themselves that if you are in a situation 
usually with driving. But if you were in a situation where a police officer wants to write you a ticket, the odds are likely that they can find something you have done, probably unwittingly, wrong or a violation of some code. Uh, Is it possible then that someone could, with the best of intentions, sign up for a system like this and then somehow find themselves in hot water uh, due to some retaliatory attention paid to them? If they, say, went to a lot of protests, uh, if they were politically dis- – if they were political dissidents and something. I know I'm, I'm spinning dystopian tales here, but it's a possibility. I will say that FUSIS looks like they've anticipated a lot of these and have gone out of their way in their official literature to address them in advance, which means they're thinking of the same things too. Yeah, and, and I'll leave you um... – I'll leave you with a statement from their chief strategy officer, a Sayhill merchant is his name. Uh, This is the quote. We're not doing anything nefarious here. We're doing this for public safety, not at the cost of people's civil liberties or privacy, because it's all up to the individual user to share. And as you said, Ben, until it's not up to them (laughs) and it's compulsory. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well, hey, everybody, let's let's uh, think about this. And especially if you've got a ring camera or something, go ahead and take a look at it and just imagine uh, being, you know, a local police officer just looking at that feed and checking it out, making sure everything's okay. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it is. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And with that, we will pause for a word from our sponsor and we'll be back with another story about surveillance, though maybe not in the way... You think. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing 
implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have returned. Uh, maybe it's a bit misleading for for me to have that tease about surveillance, uh, but surveillance uh, in in an unusual way. I've got a UFO alien update for everybody. I know we've got a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists in the audience today who are like me, like us, probably continually monitoring the different uh, different things happening in the world of what's called disclosure. Disclosure being defined as governments or large political entities revealing evidence of observation by extraterrestrials or at the far end, interaction with extraterrestrials. On December 5th, just this weekend as we record this, an older professor, Professor Chaim Ashed, said that he had proof that human beings from multiple governments had interacted with aliens, with extraterrestrials, with real-life creators and writers of UFOs. And Professor Ashed says that the aliens asked not to be revealed yet. They said that humanity— <laughs> <laughs> Right. They said that humanity was not ready. So obviously, if this is true, yeah, he's maybe a little bit of a snitch. <laughs> but why is this important? Why is this guy saying this important? It's important because from 1981 to 2010, this professor was the head of Israel's security space program. He's received the Israel Security Award three times— twice for confidential technological inventions. Imagine the award speech. You know, like, thank you again for this award. I'll always look back on the time I did redacted. Like, that's... It was a beautiful time in my life. It was a beautiful time in my life. I can't tell you how long that time was, and I can't tell you what we talked about or with whom, uh, but he specifically said... The UFOs, me and the aliens, have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. Trump was on the verge of revealing, but the aliens in the Galactic Federation, there's a quote from him, by, by the way, the aliens in the Galactic Federation are saying, wait, let people calm down first. They don't want to start mass hysteria. They want to first make us sane and understanding. They've been waiting for humanity to evolve and reach a stage where we will generally understand what space and spaceships are. There's an agreement between the U.S. government 
and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here, and it goes on and on. I, I love no, the, no, keep going. Do the whole thing. Just I want to hear more. It's too long. <laughs> it's too long. We just stopped on that point. You can see you can see a couple of articles about this. Probably one of the best is on JewishPress.com. And what's interesting is how explicit this is. Galactic Federation feels a little on the nose, and also these these folks uh, can violate what we understand to be the laws of physics, but they still have to sign contracts. That's weird. I uh, when was it, when was the contract signed? Are we talking nineteen forty seven? Are we talking prior? Are we talking after? When when did that happen? Did they crash Roswell on purpose in order to begin uh you know a relationship with the humanoids? What is going on here, Galactic Federation? What's mm. the plan? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Have we heard this branding before, by the way? The Galactic Federation? I mean, it sounds a little kind of boilerplate, you know, kind of mm. like sci-fi language, but it rings a bell. Have you guys heard Galactic Federation before? Sure. It's super common in different works of sci-fi mm-hmm. over over the decades. Sounds yeah. like something L. Ron Hubbard would have written. Well, yeah, it, sounds, it sounds Star Wars to me. That's but also maybe. True. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Here's what their aim is, apparently. According, again, to this professor, the aim is that the aliens, or the UFOs as he calls them, are attempting to understand the fabric of the universe entire and that they want human beings as helpers. He also goes on to say that there's an underground base in the depths of Mars and uh, their representatives hang out there. And he said that if I had come forward with what I was saying now five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. Wherever I've gone with this in academia, they've said the man has lost his mind. And then he goes on to say, I have nothing to lose. I've got my awards. I've got my degrees. I'm respected in university abroad. And the trend of the conversation is changing. Uh, I should point out he is 87. He's retired. This is in no way going to affect his career. I'd like to be fair and look at the criticism of this. Well, first. Yeah. Well, before we do that. Yeah. I mean, okay. They're trying to understand the fabric of the universe. What is the universe? Why are, why are they here? Right? Corduroy. That's, yeah, it's corduroy. <laughs> as long as. 100%. As, yeah, as long as it's not a cotton blend kind of thing. <laughs> uh, well, so I just want to go with that logic really quickly. It's an intelligent species that may or may not, like you said, Ben, be able to defy physics in order to even travel here unless they were here just a long, long time ago and they've been here for a long time and just we didn't know. Um, And they're trying to understand the universe and they want our help. They want these humanoids that are, what, going through, that don't understand anything yet. That's why we, we aren't useful to them yet, right? Why they can't be... Well, they, they can't reveal themselves to us? That's what we're saying? It's less that humans would be uh, of no help and more that hum- like chaos would erupt in the tribe. Okay. Or the species, you know, because think about, we've said this before on this show, if extraterrestrials were proven to exist, for well, mathematically they are, but if they were proven to have contact with our species, then our entire existence would be defined by three or four main points. One, the Big Bang. Two, life on Earth. Three, human life. And then four, other life. 
Like, it would be one of the biggest things that ever happened, full stop. Uh, We have entire religious and economic systems that would be completely upended. Dogs and cats sleeping together, the end of the world, pandemonium, religious wars, ideological wars, resource grabs. It would be very, very bad in the short end. Little pithy word might be upendy. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. Cause some problems. What's that arrival? That's a good one that really kind of shows the geopolitical ramifications of like, you know, disclosure uh, in, in a much more realistic way than, say, Independence Day. Sure. And, and it's been explored a lot in science fiction. I just wonder why they didn't choose. I wonder why they didn't choose a moment when Star Trek was at its peak or something. That's like mm-hmm. the the enlightened galactic federation like thinking from humanity i guess the most that there's ever been around that time Mm -hmm. or when mass effect came out the video game my god how many kids and uh adults were playing mass effect when when that came out i'm just i'm wondering why now i guess or what what they're waiting for Maybe it's uh, the leaders, uh, it's the political war. leaders, religious leaders. Well, there's there's some interesting speculative stuff here. So one of the big assumptions that our species makes, because we are very, very self-centered, you know what I mean? As individuals and as a species, uh, we make this assumption that technology would be discovered, deployed, or developed along a somewhat common, predictable path. Right. So uh, for a lot of people who believe there is some sort of extraterrestrial contact that's already occurred in the past, such as uh, many ufologists, probably also this professor, if he's being sincere, uh, the big pivotal moment for alien observation came with the discovery of nuclear technology in our in our species on our planet. And it is completely possible, maybe, that somehow no no member of the galactic federation figured this out before and they're just like great now we have we have monkeys with guns that's what we have i i totally i remember talking about that before with you ben with uh in like 1947 there being a reason that that mm-hmm. was the, the time with the, with uh nuclear weapons and technology maybe this is the thing that uh is going to change the game maybe mm. the aliens have been using these things to look at us all and to study us with social media. And uh, maybe maybe they're not based in any kind of uh, form like this, a, a squishy form. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they're more metal and algorithms. Or maybe they're, yeah, Guys, it's just patterns. Have you, have you heard of something called the Ground Crew Project? I have not. What is the Ground Crew Project? The Ground Crew Project is a UFO religion that started in the 80s based in California and Hawaii, um, which later kind of segmented. I'm just reading this from like a very basic Wikipedia entry, uh, which later segmented into Ground Crew and the Planetary Activation Organization. Um, A gentleman by the name of Sheldon Niddle founded it and started posting online in 1996. But they... Uh, claim their their goal is to prepare humanity for large scale first contact between Earth and the Galactic Federation, mm. um, and that's something that they believe is an extraterrestrial organization that uh, will aid in transformation of some kind of the human race. And members in the group believe that they're all situated in key roles to kind of act as liaisons between. Uh, these extraterrestrials and the people of Earth, and I'm surprised that this didn't come up in this uh, in this discussion. 
Well, again, you know, Galactic Federation, to your point, to you guys' points earlier, is a very, it seems, it feels like it would be a very common name for works of sci-fi. So I'm not surprised, I bet that just like an internet search of Galactic Federation would show multiple things, right, from from fiction and from the real world. I haven't heard of this ground crew project yet, um, but just looking at it now, it seems like they've made one misstep that a lot of these groups make, which is they made predictions that did not come to pass, which is a blow to credibility, but you can't get everything 100% right all the time, as we can assure you, having done this podcast for so long. Uh, I, I do want to, going back to Professor Shed, maybe he didn't mention that because he's not aware of it. It's quite possible. Certainly, certainly. But I want to give two big arguments against his statements here. The first argument is a little bit of a jaded political argument. It's people who do not care for the current uh, outgoing president of the U.S., Donald Trump. They said, look, you had me until you said that Donald Trump knew about it because there's no way he would have kept a secret. Uh, Neither here nor there. Uh, and then there's the other there's the other argument, which is that this interview, these interviews occur in conjunction with advertisements for his forthcoming book, Ooh. The Universe Beyond the Horizon: Conversations with Professor Jaime Shed. So that's those might feel like blows to credibility. Also, the fact that he had, like many people, he has a. Um, clandestine background in intelligence agencies. So there are going to be people who say that he's still part of the program, that he's just like a false flag distracting from things. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think he might be legit just based on the information you have? Mm. I'm kind of with you, Ben. That does seem like there's a little self-interest going on here. And just really quickly, in terms of pop culture use of Galactic Federation, it is, in fact, the uh, nemesis of Rick and Morty in, in Rick and Morty. And there it's it also is. the governing body in the Metroid universe of games. <laughs> nice. Nice. To answer your question, Ben, this gentleman, he is 87. He does have a doctorate in aeronautical engineering. He has been with the IDF in, in the intelligence division. Mm-hmm. He's been in research and development for the military. I don't know, man. I tend to feel like someone someone of this caliber isn't going to come out and attempt to steal some money from me for his book by saying <laughs> something extraordinary. You know, like, because that's really what it would be. It would be, Whoa. give me some money. Here's something crazy. It's give also like, if, if he truly doesn't believe it, it seems like with those kind of bona fides, he wouldn't discredit himself in that way purposefully. But given his age, is it maybe possible that he's having some dementia or something as well? Or some kind mm. of, you know, uh, psychological issues as a result of aging? It's a fair question, unfortunately. Yeah, but the guy is, I mean, he's worked in development of weapons, infrastructure, like satellites. He's the got dude his bona fides. But, but, but it's bona fides, but it's a person who has access to space, essentially, in a lot of ways <laughs> when he's sure. thinking about it. And, and I mean, think about that. Mm. It's not, I don't know, man. I, but the, it feels it feels like there might be something there. Oh. And then what does what does see? My other thing is what does helping mean? Like if we th- throw out all tools of critical thinking and we just accept what he's saying is fact, and we say he's sincere, he's talking about something that really happened. 
there are aliens. They have contacted um, members of the upper echelon of our various weird class systems, and they want our help. Uh, how much can we actually help them? It's kind of like, hey, we need to put together this uh, IKEA cabinet. It's called the universe. And you know who's going to be the perfect people to help us with this? These uh, these fleas that also happened to be in the box when we opened it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And I, I know that's a derogatory way to look at both fleas and human beings. But, uh, but I, yeah, I have a lot of questions, but I'm keeping an eye on this because there's also that great point about credibility. We see this happen in academia all the time. Being really smart at one thing does not automatically make you correct at everything else you believe, right? Or with everything else you believe. But it does, it is strange uh, how quickly the ivory tower will toss somebody out and say, you know, forget these decades of brilliant work you did. You're you're a charlatan and a fool now. So let us know what you think. Is it a plug for a book? Is it just a somehow PR or is he legit? I, I think he believes what he's saying. I just don't know if what he's saying is factual. Uh, so with that, let's pause for a word from our sponsor and we'll return uh, with another mystery. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. And okay, look, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. Uh, to use a very unpleasant metaphor, I don't know why people even say that. Who beats dead horses? That's a horrible thing to do. But uh, I've been a little hung up on this monolith story. A, because it's genuinely a fun kind of mystery in the face of all this awfulness that is going on, you know, in the world. And it, you know, I think it's interesting, even if it's just like a, a kind of a what is it, like a performance art kind of installation thing done in secret by a, a, an artist who has passed or something bigger than that. I don't know. I, I do like the discussion around it. And uh, yet a third monolith has appeared um, somewhere between uh, it's like equidistant between San Francisco and L.A., um, a town by the name of Atascadero. Beautiful, beautiful town um, in Northern California. A monolith appeared on top of Pine Mountain there in Atascadero. Again, very similar, that triangular kind of shape, very polished, silvery steel uh, pillar-looking thing. Clearly done by the same person or someone influenced by this this person. Um, And this one has a pretty heavily documented event that led to it being removed um, and defaced. And it's very interesting because you can see this story kind of come together in real time. There was a, a streaming video posted um, by a group that took a 500-mile round-trip uh, road trip together from Southern California to Atascadero and uh, all wearing, you know, like kind of camo gear. They even had night vision goggles and they're streaming the whole thing. They're streaming like their drive, even their stops to like get monster energy drinks. Um, and they're clearly kind of a fundamentalist uh, Christian group um, who have very right leaning political views and also even like go so far as to to talk about like how they were sent by Donald Trump himself and Q from QAnon, who many people in that circle believe is Donald Trump or adjacent to Donald Trump. Um, And the whole time they're talking about that, they're talking about how the monolith is uh, satanic in some way. They refer to it as a pagan monument. And then on the same breath, say that it is, you know, an alien uh, sign, you know. But then they also go so far as to say they don't want aliens from Mexico or space coming to leaving weird monoliths on mountaintops. Um, so yeah, they, 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 they hike all the way to the top with their night vision goggles on and they get to the, uh, the monolith, um, and they, you know, with some great kind of trouble that they go to, uh, end up tearing it down, uh, and they replace it with a wooden cross, uh, all the while chanting Christ is Lord, uh, Christ is Lord. It's very eerie. It's very cult-like, um, something about it 
is troubling to me. And even spokespeople from the city were very troubled by it because they referred to it kind of the same way that I was thinking about it. It's like this is a an interesting mystery that's hurting no one. It's just adding to some interesting positive thinking surrounding all the, the nasty things that are going on in the world right now. Um, and they do not appreciate these interlopers coming, you know, from far, far away to, to do harm to what they seem to feel was a positive tourist destination or a positive, um, you know, feature mm. for their, for their small town. So I don't know. Mm. Um, there's more to unpack here, but uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting um, at the length people will go to, to destroy something they don't understand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is weird because, you know, one thing we can say is that those, those guys are losing the fight because there was already another monolith reported on the Isle of Wight, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then just as, like, actually, as we were recording this, a, another monolith popped up at Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, wow. I think, and that was like 17 minutes ago as we record this. And it was, uh, what is going on? <laughs> a lot well, did, of marketing. Did you guys <laughs> read about uh, this group called Most Famous Artist or yes. The Most Famous Artist? No. I yeah, they're, that. they're the ones who, uh, they're, they're how I found out about Joshua Tree, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Well, tell us a little bit more about it. These are new to me. And do you think this is an organized effort? Because they were saying that the one, the original one in Moab likely was there for years. Mm-hmm, and I'm wondering sure. if these are all copycats after that initial, you know, media pop that when that went viral, are people then, or are these also being discovered and could have potentially been there for longer? Likely not. Um, <laughs> they weren't in as remote places, clearly, but I'm wondering what you guys think. Yeah, not all of them were there for years, but the uh, uh, the folks, most famous artists, despite sound, having a singular name, is a group of like-minded artists, and they have a really interesting statement about this. They have an Instagram that you can follow, and they have photos of monoliths that they seem to admit they have created. And one of them has the caption, you mean it wasn't aliens? Monoliths as a service dot com with dashes in between there. So let's let's we're doing this live. Let's see if it goes anywhere. It it didn't open up for me. It just went to a like a buy this URL. It it just redirects to the most famous artist dot com. And they're selling an authentic alien monolith for forty-five grand. They're based in Santa Fe, uh, huh. the, but the the statement that I thought would stick out for you guys, the guy who founded Most Famous Artist or purports to, a fellow named Matty Moe, spoke with uh, Mashable about this and said, "quote I'm not able to say much because of the legalities of the original installation." I can say we are well known for stunts of this nature, and at this time, we are offering authentic art objects through monoliths as a service. Monoliths as a service. That's mm. great. Wow. Wow. Would that be a bummer if this all was just a really elaborate ad campaign to sell overpriced art in Santa Fe? Well, what price can you put on art? <laughs> but also, I mean, yes. you know, like 45 grand, roughly. <laughs> oh, they're sold out. Somebody bought it. <laughs> and they put it up in California because the one in California, have you, did we describe what it looks like already? Yeah. It, I found it to be similar. It's maybe a little skinnier, but, but Matt, go right ahead. How, how would you uh, characterize it as being any different or similar to the other ones? Well, I think I'm looking at the same one. I'm, I mean, it looks almost exactly like the other one to yeah. me. It's okay. three-sided, yeah. shiny yep, metal. Yep, 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 yep. That's what I, yep, mm-hmm. I described it at the top, making sure we weren't looking at different stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, to the point where maybe they were made in batches, but at the same facility. 
you know mm-hmm. you, you, like, again like uh, we joke about you know what price art but like you know you could argue these are pretty basic structures like conceptually they're fascinating but if you know how to do metal working like this is it's certainly polished and very shiny but it is just a three-sided metal object it's a little bit more like style over substance in some ways it's more the placement that that gives it kind of power in my opinion mm. show me one made out of pure obsidian that's mm-hmm. un, un, unmovable by human human hands and, and that puts off like a certain frequency that when you get close to it it like brings you to your knees Dude, I want a monolith that will stem the the deluge of monolith memes. That's that's the power. <laughs> Why? Of I love them. Keep them coming. I saw one the other day. It looked like a Toblerone, and then there was one that looked like the sidebar in uh, Photoshop, and then I saw another one that looked like an iPod uh, Touch or one of those skinny iPods that they used to have. What mm-hmm. it's called? Um, you know, the ones that look like a thermometer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've seen those. People keep sending them to me. Feel free not to. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, ben, I'm not a fan of monolith memes. Got it. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. It's just like being a fan of donuts doesn't mean you eat 200 at a sitting for a lot of people. It's a good point you make. But um, but this is this is an ongoing story. To your point, Noel, we uh, we still have an absolute answer yet, do we? We like it's it's developing as we were recording this episode today. I'm leaning towards uh, elaborate publicity stunt for selling more monoliths. <laughs> there we go. A monolith Ponzi scheme. I like it. It's wild. <laughs> there you go. But uh, there is actually kind of a cool twist here. Just found when I was kind of Googling around looking for more information on the city of Atascadero, I found a local news report from KSBY News, California's Central Coast uh, headline, Steel Monolith Back on Pine Mountain in Atascadero After Being Removed. Uh, And it would appear that the officials with the city of Atascadero have confirmed as of Saturday that the monolith is back on this hiking trail, the top of Pine Mountain. So I don't know if like the crew that tore it down or replaced it with a cross just ditched it somewhere and then some locals spotted it and found it and hooked it back up the mountain and, you know, put it back in the ground. But uh, you you can't get rid of this monolith that easy, I would would argue. It's 10 feet tall, too, and it has to be pretty heavy. I wonder if it's hollow or if it's, like, you know, pure, uh, like, like, you know, steel through and through. But, yeah, um, it is there in northern San Luis Obispo County. And uh, you can go see it because it's back. And let us know what other strange monoliths you find. I got to go on record. Maybe I'm too thrifty, but for 45 grand, I don't want it to be hollow. I want I that thing to same be thing. real yeah. and heavy as yeah. hell or heavy as steel. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed this. We can't wait to hear your monolith updates. We can't wait to hear what you think about the idea of this widespread panopticon-esque Surveillance, private-public partnerships for surveillance states. Uh, And also, what do you think about the latest statement by that professor, that former head of Israel Space Agency? Let us know. We try to make ourselves easy to find. You can uh, always give us a holler on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We like to recommend Here's Where It Gets Crazy, uh, where you can interact with the best part of this show, our fellow listeners. Yes, that's right. Or you can head on over to youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. Check out the video portion of this show. Yes, that's right. Some of this is on video, not this 
moment in particular, but this stuff that happened before. So go check it out and uh, subscribe. Tell your friends. That would be really, really great. If you don't want to do that stuff, we have a phone number. You can call us right now. That's right. It's one eight three three stdwytk Leave a message at the sound of Ben's delightful voice, um, and you will have three minutes, a pop, you know, to leave your message, your story. Tell us what you've experienced in the realms of government cover-ups, the supernatural, conspiracy stuff of all stripes. Um, and then let us know if it's okay to use it on the show, and let us know what to call you. We're happy to make you completely anonymous, or just use a first name, or a last initial, or whatever. And then you could be part of one of our weekly listener mail episodes. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can always just send us an email. We eagerly await whatever you're going to send to us. You can reach us. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.